Welcome to season three of Handpicked. It's so great to be back with a wonderful sponsor in Clearco, but what great businesses we have discovered. It's a great way to show and feel and learn about what's going on in Australian business. So if you like what you hear, perhaps you could rate us or review us or refer it to another business owner. Hey, Kat, and welcome to Handpicked. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. I love your business, but maybe if you share with our listeners a little bit of background, how did you get to be in this business? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. My name's Kat. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Trace. Trace is a, a sustainability platform that helps small to medium enterprise manage, uh, measure and offset their carbon emissions. So really we're on a mission to removing the barriers to climate active for small to medium enterprise. And when did you start? I believe it was day one of um, of COVID and lockdown. Uh, so I'm a, you know, a, it's a lockdown baby. Um, so it was March 2020 that we got Trace off the ground and launched the website. Um, and it's been going from strength to strength, but still, you know, very early days. And who is your ideal customer? Who are you talking to? Um, yeah, we found a kind of sweet spot with businesses that are probably between 20 and 200 staff, generally um, professional services, marketing agencies, architects, you know, any business whose core purpose is a service. Um, and the reason they seem to really care is either they have customers that really expect them to have a sustainability strategy and or they have employees that expect them to be doing something on climate. So we're really uh, the kind of simple solution for them to take immediate action on climate today. Great. Well, given you launched in lockdown and a lockdown baby, as mm. they say, and um, how and where or what are you doing to build your brand yeah, look, we've had to try lots of different things. I mean, in, in some ways, it's been a, a benefit having lockdown in that the expectation is you do everything, you know, by phone and, and on video rather than having to march around Australia trying to meet people in person. So in some ways, it's been really great for being able to get on the phone to new customers and everyone's been incredibly open minded to that. But we've also tried to do a mix of kind of PR, a bit of advertising on, on, on LinkedIn and LinkedIn and Instagram and social platforms. And then really a focus for us is partnerships. But those are obviously longer term. You know, you really have to build them over time. So, you know, the likes of a big red group, you know, you you have small to medium enterprises your com- as your customers. How could we partner to help your your suppliers become sustainable? And when you say we, who is we? We is my co-founder and I. So she's called Joanna. We're actually um, lifelong friends. We met when we both moved to Australia. So we're both Brits. Um, and we got talking very early early on um, when we when we met that we both were interested in being entrepreneurs. And then finally in 2020, we, we bit the bullet and um, quit our jobs. And, and she's the, now the, the chief product officer and I'm the chief executive officer. Fantastic. Well, what questions do you have for Handpick today? Oh, um, it's going to be hard to, to narrow these down, Naomi. So many questions for you. Um, but I guess having you know had a number of businesses yourself, what I'm really interested in is kind of how you, um, what the difference was in your first versus your second business. And specifically, I've heard the phrase that first time founders often focus really on product and technology. And then the second time founders then focus on distribution, i.e. sales. So I'm trying to find that balance. And, and what's your perspective and, and how do you find the right balance within your company? And there's different schools of thought. So I think if there's one thing that we all learned from Shark Tank, uh, there's five different entrepreneurs on that panel and we've all got five different ways of uh, founding, growing businesses. So, uh, <laughs> and so 
you know, to preface this conversation, there is no one way. Actually, the one thing I said to everybody, if I haven't got lollies on the shelf, I've got nothing to sell. Now, that is because our, our business was a, was a marketplace, but it wasn't my first business, to your point. My first business was a freelance marketing. Well, we're not counting the ones I started as a child, but um, let's say in my adult life. Um, so my first business was a freelance marketing group. And what I found, it was either feast or famine. I either had so much work, I couldn't get it done. And I was asking friends for favors to help them, which might have led to an inconsistent product. Um, and also I found that clients wanted to see me. You sold me this marketing plan. I want to you need to execute it and follow it all through. So when I was looking at my second business, it became about making sure that I was not in the center of the business, that it wasn't dependent on my energy and that it could scale without me. And um, that was the number, I, I wanted my life back. Too many people find that their business owns them and they don't own their business. And they're so busy racing around, they don't get to get everything done. But I have always been customer obsessed. Like, obsessed and first of all as a marketplace if I haven't got anything to sell I haven't got anything yeah. to serve so you could say that that's about product um, and often like I think about you know I worked at Apple way back in the day in the early days and you think about it and and it was always about the design if it's beautiful people will come um, and mm. but it's probably not enough. So understanding customer. So I, I think I'm more, far more customer obsessed, but in a two-sided marketplace, which is what uh, Red mm. Balloon is and Big Red Group and all of the businesses that we have, it, it was equally about supply. It was how do I find experiences that are going to, people are going to talk about? And so it was equally about supply. Partnership was the way that we scaled the business, though. You're exactly you know, it was through our relationships and people promoting us and saying, and having our brand sit next to big names, that it gave us an authority. It was really fantastic. Yeah, that's a good one. I've heard you've got to try and stand on the shoulders of giants. But when you're kind of, when you're so early stage and no one's heard of you, you know, you really feel like you're always asking. Um, but, I, you know, I'm hoping that will eventually flip the other way around. Um, I also read, Naomi, that um, that you believe in the quote that money's like water. It sometimes needs to be dammed. Most of the time it needs to flow, which I really, really loved and it really resonated with me. You know, when you're in the early stages and you, you don't have loads of funding in your business, you know, for me, I'm trying to invest to grow and do exactly what you just described, which is bring on people that are brilliant to the business. So it's not reliant on me. But equally, you're constantly trying to make sure you're not running out of money and that you can pay those employees. What are some tips that you have around how you can navigate that balance between spending and sort of being cash flow careful? Um, and I'm as stingy as they come. So I, I hate spending money unless I can see the return. And I, I guess it's not so much stingy as it's really being intentional. It's very easy to say, oh, well, we only, it'll only take us three customers to get that money back. Well, where are those three customers coming from? And back in the really early days, I'd say, okay, if I'm going to spend this, how many customers do I need to get to get a return on it? And it's a rule of thumb that I continue with today, which as the businesses have scaled tremendously, might not be the best thing, but I'm just like, well, if we're going to do this, what's going to be the return and over what time frame? And understanding the difference between having a capital asset 
that is going to earn an income versus acquiring customers one by one by one. So in less and that understanding the cost of acquisition and the lifetime value of a customer. So, you know, you primarily selling to other businesses and I suspect they're on a subscription model yeah, of some an sort. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So an annual subscription. And so therefore you, you know that if I've got them for two or three years, but then how do you, if you consider customers as an asset as well, how do you work that asset and get them closer to you? What are all the customer touch points? So understanding where money gets blocked up in your business, I think is really, really important. And when a, whether it's uh, irrigating the field or whether it's dissipating and you're not actually seeing its return and it's just about focusing on it. So I don't have any silver bullets, but the, the particular area that you're working in um, I would argue that there might be a whole bunch of different sorts of uh, government grants available to you. And I think it's really, really important, it's not just uh, state-based ones, but also federal ones, because there's such a focus on making sure that we are really transparent. And there's been a lot of government announcements in the last you know, minutes and weeks about um, not just carbon credits, but reduction of, of carbon footprints. And so, so, um, so don't forget, government also may want to partner with you uh, as well, because you represent uh, um, a whole bunch of um, branding opportunities opportunities uh, as well for bigger players. Um, I guess a, a, a slightly side question. Um, I'm really interested to learn a bit more about your relationship with your co-founder, David, um, and kind of how that how that started, how it's evolved, um, how you've kind of found your, you know, your roles within the business, because, you know, Joanna and I are, are very good friends and we work very well together. But I, I'm, I have no doubt there will be highs and lows and ups and downs um, throughout the journey. And I'm just interested for any tips you might have on that. Um, before we went into business together, we'd known each other for uh, probably a decade or so, and we'd been fellow entrepreneurs and he'd done his exit. And He'd always um, been fascinated by the business, and you know it's a it's a it's a fun space, and it's a great space, and the growth story and so forth. But we knew each other as professional uh, friends, one might say, beforehand. But when we sat down to really talk about this, um, it, there was rules of engagement. It's a what, what are the not negotiables? And he was really clear about what he saw for the business, and we were really clear on the different skill sets that we were bringing. And uh, we have an absolute shared sense of purpose. We, our values are 100% aligned, but we also have our own swim lanes. And that has been critically important to the growth and what he's achieved as the group CEO. I did not want to be the CEO. That I just I wanted to be a non-executive director. I wanted to provide my intelligence and my skills and my network in a completely different way. Um, I'd been in business at that point for 16 years. I wanted something different. So now 20 years on, it's it's a wonderful relationship because um, he is bringing all of his skill sets and um, and vision to the business um, and, and we just uh, apply those different things. But you've got to be able to have the really brave conversations. And and he always says, it's not the man, you know, it's I'm not attacking the person, it's the outcome. So we had an agreement, if we both don't agree, we don't do it. But we have to listen deeply to the other person. So it's not a no before they start the conversation. It's a what could this represent in line with our vision? Is it a possibility? What's making me feel uncomfortable about this? Um, ne never attack the person because it just doesn't make any sense. 
knowing your swim lanes is really important. This is my job. This is your job. But also we talk like three and, you know, we haven't been in offices for a while um, in our office, but we just and we just shoot the breeze. Um, And I think that that we just like each other, like we really, really like each other. And our friendship is very, very important to us. Um, So and we just keep talking about it. Uh, I feel I feel very very grateful. I like to say I got the business to fifty million. He'll get it to a billion. He's you know he's on that trajectory, and he brings a very different sets of skills than I do, and that's great. That's great to hear. Some people say don't mix, you know, work and friendship. I disagree. I think it makes coming to work a lot easier when you have a partner and a friend next to you on the journey with you. I guess it's a difference between a friend because they're your friend. Or because you see them as a professional who brings incredible talents and skills. And in my book, Ready to Soar, I really talk that through because often if a founder gets a little bit of success, they turn to the person they love the most, which might be their husband, their partner, their wife, and and that's not the right person. So understanding the strengths you build, bring to a relationship, what your superpower is, and then not getting outside of the swim lane, then how amazing and wonderful. But just friends starting a business together might be the best way to not only lose a lot of money, but ruin a friendship as well. So understanding the other people's person's superpower and respecting that and honoring it is really, really important. I definitely think you know, harnessing your own superpowers really is really important. And, and I'd be interested to know, would you say your superpowers have evolved or do you think they actually have stayed relatively stable over your career? Um, I'm, I've always been deeply curious. Um, and so therefore I read and I learn and I understand and I follow. And, and that provides a great sounding board um, for David as well. And he, he loves it when I, oh, I went to the seminar, I learned this. And he's like, oh, okay, what did you learn? So he's, he's equally interested um, and, and he knows that I just need to add value. And if when I'm heard and listen, I am fulfilled and I see the outcome um, and he respects the, those insights. So that's been materially important is how I feed information into the business. And he's my sole conduit into the business as a non-executive director, which means he knows what's going on. So, you know, there's none of this, oh, are you going to mum or are you going to dad? No, no, this is a big enterprise and we have our reporting structures which we respect ourselves. And I think that's really important. And then just touching on that point around like governance and reporting structures, um, you know, I'm my business is seven people. Obviously, it's, it's simpler in that sense because it's small, but equally incredibly important that everyone understands like who they go to about what and and where those communication lines were any tips from your the early days of uh, red balloon or, or big red group um, around how to make sure you've got the right governance in place early yeah, on look making sure people do have job descriptions and uh, letters of appointment and you're covering off all of those things and these are available and i'm sure you have them but proper um, letters of engagement covering up all of the Laws of the land are very, very important. Sitting with people and explaining to them, this is what I do, this is what Joe does, really, really important. Um, And these are the sorts of structures. I felt in the early days the most important thing was having a, a rhythm of communication, especially when you're so busy and everybody's doing everything kind of and, oh, she's not here, but let me do that for her or he's here and he's doing that and whatever. So making sure that you have this rhythm and we used to love in the morning just every day coming together, especially if you're virtual, um, is coming together for a five-minute huddle. What was a win yesterday? What have you got? Bringing everybody to, together. What's your stop point? Is there anything that we can alleviate? And then having 
a rhythm of uh, team meetings, but also one-on-ones. So people know when they're going to be heard. And that, that could be every two weeks. It could be every four weeks. It depends on how, on the rhythm. But the most important thing when you've got a small team and a small startup is they're seen, they're honoured, they're respected, they feel like a winner um, and that they can do their best work. And the best way to enable people to do their best work is to create the space for you to work with them and develop them. And that also means that you might nip anything in the bud if things are kind of going a bit awry or getting stopped or shouldn't ask about that or there's, you know, they're talking to that person about that thing and that's really not their their strong suit. I really, really honour and respect people and recognise people when it comes to living your values and talk it through. And I cannot stress enough the importance of getting that rhythm of communication a very early stage in a business yeah I think that's right and it's been particularly important and frankly difficult to do that virtually I mean I've only ever met two of my team which is just so strange isn't it but we still do manage to have a bit of a culture building and, and some good yeah rhythms as you call them um, but it's just I'm really keen to preserve that when you go from sort of seven to ten to twenty and then you know hundreds uh, you've got to try and lock those in early days. I used to get angry with myself if I didn't know everybody's name and the role that they were in. But we've got a big team now and I just had to let it go. It's okay. It's not a failing. And so, you know, if I'm there and I see them and I ask them instead of pretending and I think it's much more authentic. People don't expect that I know everybody anymore. Yeah. So uh, where, where next, Naomi? Where would you see yourself in, in, in 10 years from today? I know that's a really long way away. Do you think that far ahead? <laughs> and if so, what, what's the, where, what does it look like? Oh, I, I'm definitely planning for the future. There's no doubt about that. And for me right now, it's all about contribution. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. I don't know who's listening to this right now is going, oh, you know what? I never thought about that. I need to set in place a space for my employees to listen and to learn from me and that I can hear their feedback and hear their ideas about the business. So I, I don't know. And I tell you, when people send me little messages, go, I listened to that podcast and it was exactly the piece of information I needed right then. And obviously I continue to speak and I sit on a number of boards. So my job is to make sure that I am supporting small business in every way I can in Australia. It's tough being a business owner and it can be really lonely. And if I can create some level of connection inside and support our economy in the same way, I think it's really important work. Absolutely. And I think we know we've all seen the the stats that there are fewer kind of female entrepreneurs and you know less of the funding is going to female entrepreneurs. So I think having role models is really important. So this is why it's a real privilege to be on this show today. So you know that's not technically correct, don't you? There's actually more women start businesses than men. And I, I really try not to make business about gender. I really do. It's just, mm. you know, I, I role model for all business owners. And um, and if they see or hear something that's valuable for them, and that's what I loved about Shark Tank as well. There was both Janine and I. I didn't have to represent 50% of our um, economy and say, oh, this is how you run a business. That's the girl's point of view. No, no, no. The way Janine runs a business is a completely different way than I run a business. And so, therefore, we didn't have to represent gender. And for me, that's equality is when we don't talk about it. I'm just a business person. I think it's really important. Yeah, you're so right. It's from a 
empathy point of view, it's just nice to, to be able to see other people that have been successful, whether they're men or women. And there are just slightly fewer role models for me that are women. So, it, you know, it's a real honour. They're there. We just need to uncover them. And mm. often they're so busy doing everything, they forget that actually they've <laughs> got to drag other people with them. And, and that's why I'm so glad to have you on the show, Kat, because you are a role model to all of those who hear this, to those around you. And I think that that's important. I have one more if you have time. <laughs> What would be, what advice do you wish you'd received in like the, the first, say, 24 months of, of starting a business? Because that's the, you know, the crux point that I'm at at the moment. Is there anything you look back on and think, God, I wish I'd known that or done that? Oh, now I'm you making me say one thing. One is do do anticipate growth. Be prepared to dream. And, and if I could kind of add in the second part to that, I'm just going comma. Be prepared to dream, comma, and breathe. So um, breathing means we're always urgent. When you're starting a business, everything's urgent. Everything is do or die. And occasionally, I, I, occasionally somebody would say to me, did anybody die today? And I go, no. Well, then it, you'll be okay. You know, it's not life or death. And just to breathe, there will be another Christmas. I know everything is urgent, but dream. And is this rushing to the urgent thing versus working on the important thing? And the important thing allows you to scale your business because ultimately it will deliver growth. Not Doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of stupidity. So if you find yourself doing the same thing, find a system or process to allow you to scale. See how I got seven answers in that just tell me one thing? Because there is no just one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Kat, I love your business. Congratulations. Keep going, keep growing, and you get to make a difference to those around you. So thank you. Amazing. Thanks, Naomi. Thank you for having me. Have you just discovered us at Handpicked? Well, we've been doing three seasons. So if you've not heard previous episodes, there's so much to learn and discover. And who knows who you might meet? 